How many weeks do you think this is how we do it? Was it number one? Three. One, two. Seven weeks. Okay, well, I'm in the right area. How many weeks do you think A Kiss from a Rose from Seal was at number one? Fourteen. One. Really? Well, at least I don't think it came back. I think it was... Really? That is shocking to me. That is shocking, because... Yeah, yeah, yeah it I mean, looks like it was just one week. Wow. And I don't see it coming back after leaving. Okay, but it must have stayed on the top charts for... Oh, sure. I'm sure it, yeah. it had to have been on the top of the charts forever. But no, it was only at number one on August 26th. Hmm. On my birthday. Look at that. On your birthday, the year you graduated from high school. That's when the chart came out. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you know, it could have been easily the 25th or the 27th. It just happened to be that Sunday or whatever it was when the chart came out. So uh, I'm not too impressed. <laughs> Do you, you told me about 99% Invisible, right? Yes. Did you listen to the one about Calendar? No, I just like I said, I, I told you it was, it was okay. a thing that I thought you would like. Oh, I, okay. I, it wasn't my cup of tea, but I thought you'd really right. enjoy the hell of it. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been listening to it. I think it's uh, some neat things. They just had one about the calendar, though. Did you know that, I think his name's George Eastman, the guy from Eastman Kodak? He was a proponent of... So they developed this 13-month calendar where every... Every month at twenty eight days. Okay. And there was a couple like the year, like instead of New Year's, it was Year Day, and it was a day outside the calendar, so it wasn't. It was between December thirty first and January first. So it was like a separate, separate day. There day. Was, there was two separate days. There was Soul Day and Year Day, and then there was what was Soul Day? Was Soul Day the middle of the summer? Well, but they, that, but that's so they added one. they added an extra month. It was either between July and August. Okay, hold on. Wait, before we start, okay. the reason why you have to do these weird things in the calendar is because the Earth travels around the sun in 365.234 something days, right? So it's mm-hmm. so every so it's not just 0.25 because if that were the case, it'd be really easy. But like every 400, so you have leap years every four years, but every 100 years... On the 100th year, you don't have a leap year, except for every 400 years. So the year 2000 was on that right. scale. So the year 2000 was one of the years where we shouldn't have had a leap year, but we did because it was on the 400 scale. So it's just it's right. this weird thing they, they designed to keep up with the fact that and then they the days in, aren't exact. And then they throw in leap seconds, too, to keep things going. Right, so. and that's like every seven years they add a certain they add a leap second. Yeah. To the way that, yeah. But, I mean, when you're doing business and things like that, having 28-day months versus 31-day months and keeping track of all that. So they developed this calendar. I can't remember the name of the calendar, but it was a 13-month calendar. They went as far as pinning all holidays to Mondays. So July 4th, or Independence Day, was no longer July 4th, but it was... A the first Monday in July or something like that. At first, the mind says, "Wait, that's silly." But then you realize, "Wait a minute, that isn't all that silly." Because July Fourth is a rel- relatively arbitrary day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can when July Fourth is on yeah. a Thursday, you have a lot of people taking Friday off right. as well. When it's on a Wednesday, you might have them taking two days off or not. You yeah, know? but they pinned all holidays to Monday, so every holiday was a three day weekend. See that okay, here's my problem with that though. It makes the assumption that the weekly trend in the way that we work is going to say the same that we're going to have two weekends and five days in between where we work is I mean, I think that mm-hmm. I think that whole thing is 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 nonsense. I think forty yeah. hours is, is a silly amount of sure, work time. That's a good point. Every month was twenty eight days. They added an extra month it was either between June and July or July and August. I think it was between July and July and August. I think they called that month Soul. Every, every wait, Soul was every two years. No, no, every year, every every year you had an extra. So every month was twenty eight days, thirteen of those months. So what's twenty times thirteen? That'd be uh, one hundred thirty, two hundred thirty, two hundred sixty. Oh, that's three sixty four. So I guess. 
28 times 13. Oh, you said 28, not 20. Okay. Yeah, 28 times 13 is 364. And then you have um, year day. So I guess there was no soul day. I guess it was just year day, which would be an extra day between December 28th and January 1st. So you have this floating extra day that's not in the months, right? But that's how they make it 365 days. And then maybe maybe there was a leap year. I guess there had to be a leap year day. Probably the opposite side of the calendar. Probably like at the beginning or end of Seoul to, to, to balance out the leap years. And so George Eastman was a huge proponent of this calendar. And... Why, wh- and Kodak actually ran with this calendar from like 1930 to like 1987. Not the holiday part, but the but the fiscal calendar, the 28-day months. They did a 13-period calendar, each of which were 28 days. Okay. What did they get out of it? Well, obviously, after George Eastman died, and <laughs> someone said, "Why are we doing these thirteen period calendars?" Uh, they went back to you know normal fiscal calendar, but I mean, they, you know, the, and the, the they also talked about you know at the French Re- Revolution they did the decimal, yeah. the decimal type thing. Yeah. yeah, they didn't talk about the ten hour days. They didn't talk about the decimal clock so much. They just talked about the decimal aspect as a yeah. part of the calendar. Um you know, I guess Napoleon when he got power squashed that and went back to the the Gregorian calendar. I mean the fact of the matter is until you come up with a really truly better way of doing something, then you are actually, left to the culture. Actually actually the League of Nations was Seriously considering changing the calendar, and then Hitler fucked everything up. <laughs> no, it was like on the agenda. Really? Like they were actually like, "Do we do this?" And well, then then World War Two happened. And that doesn't mean no that everyone would have accepted it. I mean, no. like if you look at, I mean, look at metric. Everyone agrees that metric is fairly is in many ways easier to understand, and yet the most powerful nation in the world will not accept it. And so we are forced to uh, work in... That causes weird things to happen sometimes. That causes... Uh, space probes space to crash probes into to, Mars. Yeah, <laughs> to crash into Mars. So uh, NASA is now uh, fully metric. But... Mm-hmm. That, doesn't, well, that doesn't mean the contractors are. We're looking at getting um, some fiber optic installed between our office and our colo and the company that gave me the quote let me pull it up here they they had it they measured it in miles to a tenth of a mile and they ran it through a conversion to do it in kilometers because all the fiber optic optics you have to buy to do the run are in kilometers but they ran it out to so many decimal points that it appeared to be accurate to the millimeter when it was only accurate to the tenth of a mile because they just ran into a converter right Oh, and and the, they is, a floating, is it a floating point error? Is that the well? Issue? No, it's not an error. They just they took ten point eight miles, All right, and did the conversion. You know, times point one point six point one point six zero. Blah blah blah. They took it out so many points that the answer they got back was. Um, here, let me find it. Uh, <laughs> No, I have it. Different. Right. It was different than it would have been. No, I have, it's, I have it right. You don't have to get the exact number. It's your business. It's okay. Well, I, it's not proprietary information. Um, but it was it was like six or seven decimal, however many decimal points it takes to be accurate to the millimeter. Mm-hmm. You know, however, the, the precision it should have been only accurate to the like 528 feet type. Because that's a tenth of a mile, it's 528 feet. And that's what it was accurate to. But when they ran through the kilometer thing, they presumed that it was accurate down to the millimeter because they didn't strip off all the decimal oh, points. okay. I said, all right. Right, because yeah. you take 10.8, you put it into a... Mo- Do Google 10.8 miles in kilometers and, and see what... It, see how so many that decimal- sounds like a Wolfram Alpha thing. But see how many um, decimal points... It- Ten point eight miles in km. Yeah, so it 
Google says it, kilometers, by the way, not kilometers. Sure. Yes, you're right. We talked about that before. Mm-hmm. So 10.8 miles equals 17.3809. That's less decimal points than I got on my quote. But, you know, Google was accidentally adding precision to that answer. Where the only thing they're sure of is it is 17.3. Maybe plus... Or, three eight. That's what Wolfram Alpha part of is. Th- I trust part Wolfram Alpha. Part of 3.8. They do right. Mathematica. <laughs> but but this isn't 18.00, right? It's it's ten. It's not it's not 10.800. It's 10.8. Right, yeah. So, so it's 17.3... Six to six to nine, right? I mean, yeah, right. yeah, something yeah. like that, right? That's where the precision is. So, I, like, I, I sent an email back to the sales guy. I'm like, this is just purely academic question, really. But you, you don't know the length of this run down to the millimeter, like this answer suggests, right? And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a couple other errors in his contract and, that he sent us, but uh, realistically, that information should be. De- decently easy to come by, right? Well, Especially no. if you have GPS coordinates, and you can actually plug them into something. Well, it's and get no, an it's it's mile distance. feet of fiber optic. It's not GP, just GPS. You got to follow. You got to trace the route that the fiber goes. That's true, right? Yeah, that's definitely true. It's, it's not a it's not a crow fly situation, right? Right. So, I mean, this is like Google here is assuming that it's ten point eight zero 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 zero. Yes, but it's not. We don't have that precision. We don't know what the next part after 10.8 is. So, yeah, so putting all those extra numbers was kind of a promise that you couldn't necessarily fulfill. Right. Yeah. I I assume that was it. I I, I totally understand where you're coming from now, now that you explained it out to me. I get it. Speaking of explaining it out to you, I was trying to make a tweet about Dark Manor, and I tried to figure out how to make this simple, and I... I couldn't figure out how to do a tweet, a one tweet that would explain it all. So I'm gonna gonna write down what I said, or, or tell you what I said. I can tell you what I what I wrote down, uh, and see if we can come up with a way to to compress that into one sentence. All right. Okay. So I tried to make it simple, even in my explanation that I put that I wrote down. Okay. We know something out there is bending light. We know gravity bends light in the same way we are seeing it bent. We know matter makes gravity, but what we see doesn't account for all the gravity we see. We know that galaxies cluster around these areas of bending. Where there is bending, we see clumps of stuff. Where there is no bending, we don't see stuff. What's making the gravity? More stuff, right? Dark matter. Okay, so I mean, the, our science's best guess on dark matter now is that it is a part, it's a particle that only interacts on the weak force. Well, we don't even know. I mean, we're hoping it interacts on the weak force because that would be right. something. Right. We're hoping it does. So if it doesn't interact on the weak force, what would, I mean. I I have I'm asking this question yeah. even though I have partially the answer you probably have a better answer than me yeah. but if it doesn't interact on the weak force what does that mean that means that it would pass through all matter yeah right it would pass right through the center of a quark and not bounce off of it not have any interaction with those it would be as if it was a ghost it was if it wasn't but there. because of the gravity measures it would still have to have interact with gravity it would have a gravitational interaction with with itself but that's right. it. So, okay, so here's a real question for you, not one that I'm asking for the benefit of the listeners. So, I mean, science hopes, thinks that that dark matter has to interact on the weak force. What was, what was my question? It was... Uh, <laughs> um, I lost track of my question okay, well, here. Let me... But, like, so if it doesn't, is it... It can be so it's only measurable by gravity at that point. Then we have a problem. Yeah, since since gravity is still pretty mysterious. Well, because we we haven't seen gravitrons. If we could see gravitrons, 
then dark matter wouldn't yeah, be as we, much of a we problem. We can't see right? gravitons. We don't understand gravity yeah. to the same on, on on the same exacting scale that we understand, say, electromagnetism. Uh, that's quantum electrodynamics. We we don't have that kind of theory that works for gravity, and the reason why is this hierarchy problem that that the force is so tiny that. Uh, it's so hard to account for in these experiments. We're doing essentially high-energy experiments, and that means that gravity is an extraordinarily low-energy phenomenon. So how can we find this low-energy phenomenon in this background of extraordinarily high energies? It will just simply... It, it does simply get lost in noise. The noise is much more powerful than the gravitational attraction. So any information... We can't find a signal there. We just don't have the ability to do it, at least now. We have no ability to, to get to that level. It's, it's you know, it, it's from the strong force, it's 40 orders of magnitude. It is right. absolutely lost in the noise, completely. So, the, but the thing that I would point out, the reason why we suspect that it's matter of some sort is because we measure the same kind of proportional type of bending that we do around other matter so it the matter calculation but, makes I mean, sense we, because but we also see we have we see a, a, an indexed increase around normal matter so it seems like dark matter clumps around normal matter right because you don't see this everywhere right? yeah we, we if we, you we, saw it everywhere what we see is even, that is that normal matter only appears in these areas where there are, for the most part. I mean, it, there are certain ways that we can, you know, I mean, there are certain things that can happen in any dynamic system. But in general, where we absolutely, uh, almost in every situation, where we see large clumps of matter, we see a larger area of spatial distortion than we think we should see but we only see that larger area where there's amounts of matter right. we don't see so we see the this clumping we don't we don't see this random refracting yeah. in open space where there's a clump of dark matter that's not associated with regular matter mm -hmm. so here's a question for you you might have an answer for that's that's not true in all cases there are some like the bullet cluster where we actually see an indication that that it makes more sense that uh, the dark matter, uh, that there are two galaxies colliding, and then because the dark matter doesn't interact, it kind of moved away, and the matter right. had friction, so it was stopped. In so movement. it kind of left the galaxy. Well, well, it's just there's there's a larger area of dark matter outside oh, than inside okay. because the stuff inside kind of. Smushed together, and, and okay. there was so, friction. So, so you hear a lot about and weak force stuff, and there was. You hear a lot about, about dark matter halos. Halo makes it sound like that it's like in a ring outside the galaxy. Yeah, I don't know exactly where the halo. Okay. The, <laughs> the calling it a halo came from, but. Uh, the, the, <laughs> I don't know exactly how to... So, Dark matter is so, not, not the field that I'm really studying. So, I mean, I I kind of imagine that is halo... With, it, you know, take it gives it, you an idea of a ring, well, but that's but not... But take it to the, you know, take it to the third dimension. You know, take it to this 3D type thing where it's not just on paper, it's, it's a, a circle around something. But it would be a sphere. In, in 3D, it's a sphere or maybe even... If you think of like a Taurus, where it's actually like in and around and like per, per right, yeah, per, no, it's it's more permeating. just. It, it, I mean, a halo is, a, I think, a an exact term. I think it, I think it's a term that was originally used for some reason, but it's not, and so it's stuck around. But no, it's not like just like it's not like it's a ring of dark matter or a or a sphere or a toroidal sphere of dark matter around galaxies it's that it's very much that the same density of dark matter in general seems to be around galaxies but but large but around larger areas in the galaxy so that's why we see like galactic rotation curves being dominated by this dark matter as opposed to by matter so they're 
So we see that actually start, that the density of dark matter is roughly the same throughout the galaxy. And since that's dominating the way that the, the galaxy is curved, instead of them being faster in the center, they're, they rotate at the same speed. So you back to, back to the um, bullet cluster or whatever you said where, and this part makes sense to me, right? You have two galaxies colliding. The matter that interacts on electromagnetic and other forces, strong and weak and all those forces, there's going to be friction. Mm-hmm. And the friction is going to cause, because the regular matter has friction and gravity and the dark matter only has gravity, it's going to not slow down as much. It's right. going to go out of it. Shouldn't that mean there should we should be able to find lone dark matter blobs refracting light somewhere because the galaxy is a very big place? And I think that the situation with that is that almost certainly yes, but it's a needle and haystack situation. We haven't seen it yet because yeah. I mean, a number of galaxies that collide. There's got to be orphan dark matter out yeah, there. Yeah, there has to be. But or finding dark, how do you or, find an orphan dark matter or when, does it, when there's a web of dark matter near it that's really bending a lot of light, and so it'd be just sort of lost in in the signal? I don't know. I'm saying, given enough samples and enough time, yes. the dark matter is going to completely detach and separate from the physical matter. Just because some of, of it, it some just of because it, of it, right? its I mean, some of it got, it's, got, it's got velocity. Velocity. some of it, yeah. some of it got stuck with right. There, what we see is that some of the dark matter is leaving. And some of the dark matter stayed made. It's not like all of it went. Sure, right. Because gravity is still going to pull yeah, this closest right, stuff back. Right. So you see the stuff that's outside of the other matter and outside of the rest of the dark matter generally getting more diffuse. So while mm-hmm. there would be blobs, they would be relatively diffuse blobs as opposed to right. blobs that we would, we would absolutely recognize. As stuff gets gets more and more accurate and we get better at sort of being able to map these I guess, things. You, you know, would expect to see, yes, some like distant plots, but then you could explain that in a whole bunch of different ways. So if the dark matter is exceedingly light in mass too, the gravity will pull it and keep it from separating too far. Right? I mean if it's cause if if the mass is so light that gravity's a big inf- like a huge influence on it relatively, you know, where if it was if it was a wimp, right? You know, you would think that that the mass would keep it going. The inertia, inertia well, would like keep we, it going. We, we, well, like for example, we believe neutrinos have mass, but we don't. We don't think neutrinos make sense for this, even though they're everywhere, because they're too light and they're too hot. They have too much energy. Mm-hmm. They're they're moving too fast because they have so much energy, uh, and because they're because they're so light, they're mm-hmm. moving so fast. So it's. Um, so we think that neutrinos. That's why we, we say cold dark matter because it's it doesn't have the same kind of energetic potential as neutrinos do when they're released from okay. from. Um, this, this gets me into a whole other thing because I you know I cruise the you know the ass science right and stuff like that. I don't always uh, don't always answer, and sometimes I do answer, and sometimes I I somebody somebody asked, asked why are there neutrons. And this is an actual. I thought it was a really good question. Why are there neutrons, right? Because, okay, I get the the Big Bang made hydrogen, right, and that's protons mm-hmm. and electrons. What, where, where do neutrons come in? And uh, I started to to write an answer, and I, as I was writing the answer, I realized I don't, I don't understand this well enough to really give a good answer. So I went back, and, um. I'm starting to get to give you an idea where I am mathematically. I actually have been getting into Lie groups and understanding what these unitary groups are. Uh, so I'm starting to understand what unitary group one is with the electromagnetic, and what special unitary group two is with the weak force, and the proton. Obey all the quark model is called S, the strong force model is called SU three. Why is it that these models match these unitary groups we have discovered in mathematics? Well, like I said, it's because they're models. It's because we've found that the math of the models that we understand actually relatively uh, it maps to these things with with great precision. So we can actually use these models as as with explanatory power, but there are variables that don't that it doesn't totally account for. 
But the difference between a proton and a neutron, I was trying to explain this by saying there, if you looked at a nucleus, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between a proton and a neutron. You wouldn't be able to say if you looked at a nucleus of some atom, even deuterium, right? Even just a hydrogen atom with a neutron in it. You wouldn't say, okay, that blob is a proton, that blob is a neutron. You would see a kind of miasma, a kind of plasma of activity. And you would be able to, if you were able to slow it down and measure at certain levels, you'd be able to actually sort of measure charges moving back and forth. But something doesn't stay a proton or a neutron unless I mean, it, if they get free, they can. But if they're in the nucleus, they're just they're, they're in this interacting soup of stuff that's going on. And really, a neutron is kind of an excited version of a proton. It's sort of you can compare it to uh, a an atom has an excited version of an electron. It jumps up in energy. So a proton, a, a neutron is like a, a, a proton that has jumped up in energy. It gets some extra little charge and it gets some extra mass uh, by via this concept of uh, isospin, which is. So spin, when we think of angular momentum, we think about angular momentum along one direction. Mm -hmm. Earth rotates around the sun. Earth rotates around itself. Imagine that concept of uh, angular momentum, but then uh, 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 angular momentum in four different degrees of freedom. This is where the quark model comes from because those are called deltas, and then you can actually swap those deltas around. You can show that... Via isospin, isospin symmetry, the proton and neutron are just the same particle under a different category of isospin. And it turns out there's a symmetry break there, which gives it more mass and, and charge, but roughly that, that works out. That's where we come up with up and down quarks. Mm-hmm. That's where that whole thing comes from. It's just a little mathematical representation mm-hmm. of how we think these things work. So it really is as as simple as it's the same thing under some simple transformation and it's just a it, it's this kind of name we've come up for for this state that is slightly different from the other state that we see but is there much difference between a proton and a neutron it's just an excited state of another thing that's a lot of words for me saying uh I avoided the question because I didn't have a great answer. But right. uh, and the more I got into it, the more I started to. It really did make sense, but it was like it's a it's it's a lot to explain. It's a lot to get a hold of, and to be able to handle just the concepts is a lot. I hope I'm tr- I hope I'm explaining this well. I think you're explaining it pretty well. I mean, I got some new insights on neutrons. I never I never really thought about where neutrons came from. It was a very good question. It's, um, you know, as in many things to a human who lives in the macro world with quantum phenomenon, it's a little unsatisfying, you know, hearing that, you know, there's this mix and it's just a, a probability or a, yeah. an average of the system, you know, that, that, that part sucks for a human that deals with absolute, you know, here's a bottle and I'm right, holding yeah. it, you know, but, but other than that, uh, it made pretty good sense. Um, I, I, you know, my biggest question that remaining would be, okay, so you have this proton. It maybe you maybe where you so you said you know it's it's it gets some extra energy. You know, it's an excited state, kind of like how an electron goes into the next orbital right, shell yeah. type thing. It seems unintuitive how that makes it neutral, right? And Okay, so let's look at something called beta minus decay, where a neutron, a free neutron, or a regular neutron in an atomic nucleus decays into a proton. And what happens is, it's the quantum world, right? So that means that these extra things inside of it can't just bleed out. They have to come out in some correlated state. Uh, So it turns out that when this beta decay occurs, we see an electron and electron antineutrino come out. And the reason why that has to happen 
is because all right, the electron takes care of the charge. It takes the negative right, charge right. away from the proton sure. and makes it positive. The electron has a sp- the electron has a spin of one half. So does the proton. So does the the proton that came from. So that means that that other that that the spin wasn't conserved. So we need something else to conserve that spin. Okay. Neutrino gives us that. It gives us the opposite spin. Lepton okay. number also. I mean, so this actually that helps, right? Because I mean, you mentioned it, but a neutron has more mass than a proton. Yeah. So if you take a neutron, if you can spit out these two particles. And keep in mind what I'm saying is is it's spitting out it's it's spitting out a piece of itself, but in the quantum world, those have to be correlations of states, and we call those particles. That's mm-hmm. just it's nomenclature. They're right. not billiard balls. They're collections of states that we recognize as being quasi or relatively or stable. And so, what we see coming out of it is what we call an electron and what we call a, a electron antineutrino, because that's how we have to conserve mm-hmm. lepton number. We conserve energy and we conserve spin. Right. No, I mean, so that's much more satisfying now. Uh, I don't know what a lepton number is. It's just, it's a, it's a quantum, it's one of the various quantum right. numbers. That I mean, sure, into... sure. I understand. I definitely understand the charge. You explained the spin part very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the lepton part was lost on me. But... It's, just, it, it's just one of those other symmetries in nature mm-hmm. that needs to be conserved. Sure. Um it's it's not as easy to explain where that comes from because we honestly don't really know. It's just an aspect of nature that we see. Lepton number is conserved. So since we see that, we then make the inference that there is a, there's a symmetry there. Right. I think you did a very good job of explaining that. LHC, while we're talking about particles and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess... You know, they're running this thing at, you know, much higher energies than previously. Almost twice double. Twice as, yeah. Twice almost power, almost yeah. double as, as 14 TV. They're running at 8 before, so it's yeah. almost twice as strong. And they're uh, not really looking for anything in particular like they were looking for before. Because they, they found what they were looking for. They found, they're looking for the Higgs. But there are some things that they were, you know, like... Trying to find some of these supersymmetry particles, yep. I guess, would kind of. But if they don't find them, it doesn't really mean that they're not there. Or the Higgs was kind of a. If the Higgs isn't in this range, it's very unlikely. The Higgs, to... yeah, the Higgs was very constrained in possibility. We pretty much everything that would make sense for the Higgs model for the GSW electroweak model was because of the way it worked. It was constrained. Like I said before, there wasn't, there isn't one Higgs particle. There are four, and we had found three of them, or we had, we made the assumption that we found three of them, but they were stuck in this system called a, a Goldstone situation, where they were combined into what we see as the W and Z bosons. Uh, the reason why there are W, why should, okay, every other. Okay, the electromagnetic charge, electromagnetic force, all, all the four forces we have one boson for right except for the weak it's it's strange right we have photon for the electromagnetic okay for the strong we have gluons for gravity there's the theoretical graviton for the weak we have w and z what is this about and it's it's degrees of freedom when you introduce this electroweak configuration uh, this is that special unitary one where you actually have it's it's kind of like four different photons uh, just in order to maintain this the, the the symmetry you're introducing by adding a whole bunch of more degrees of freedom into the situation and then you have this scalar field called the Higgs and the three of those possible photons one of them is is charged in one way and along that axis, we call that, and this is going to get into some stupid stuff, but along one axis with the charge, we call that, I might get these actually wrong, we call it that weak hypercharge, and along another axis, which is the, uh, actually I think I got that wrong, yeah, it's, it's weak isospin along that one, and along another axis where we have the Z and the photon, 
we have weak hypercharge. And where there is weak hypercharge, we get the Z. And where there's not weak hypercharge, we don't we get the photon not interacting with the Higgs. And so that's where we have the one Higgs we could find. Because mm-hmm. there is an interaction. So that was what we were trying to find was okay, that one area where the where it isn't being eaten by these other gauge fields, we can find it in this. And so that was why they were able to mathematically sort of like mm-hmm. Box it in. All right, we've we sort of figured out these other ones should be kept in. Right. How it, it can interact with only a certain level to miss the photon. So we, but box in, we found it eventually. I saw well, what was it in? I was reading an article about the LHC from a pretty was the Wall Street Journal, no New York Times maybe. Uh, they messed up proton and photon. Yeah, they were sending protons, or they were sending photons. photons. The and that's, it's an easy enough mistake to yeah. make. It's not like the BBC, which large hard on collider. Much <laughs> large hard on collider. I um, I stopped listening to stuff you need to know when they talked about the LHC and they were talking and they were talking about photons. Like, okay, these guys have no idea what they're talking about, and I can't trust them if if I know something and they're just talking about something that's way off from what I know. Uh, so that's why I stopped listening to that podcast. But at the same time, if it's if it's not a podcast, if it's not like a, a story that's supposed to be going in depth, then I can you know mm-hmm. a two or three minute story or something somebody wrote up, I can understand the mistake. They are very similarly named yes. particles. But if you care even a little bit, you're going to know that and double check it. I don't think people care, and I don't expect them to really. It's. It, the stuff I'm getting into with the way neutrons work in isospin, nobody cares. But a proton and a photon are, is elementary school compared to that. But what I'm saying is that if you don't know very well, then you might not know the difference between... If you have a podcast that's teaching people things... What and was you, this podcast? And, well, the stuff you don't know, or the stuff you should know. Yeah, right? stuff you should know, yeah, right. I mean, but, you, but you were talking about oh, something else. Oh, yeah. it was... Yeah, it was... It was uh, major newspaper yeah. type of... I, I don't expect them to get that right. Yeah, expect stuff you should know to get that to do that research. Now, that's what I expected out of them, and I was disappointed that, that the research clearly wasn't there. For for a little article like that on a news on a site that's doing hundreds of stories a day, I don't get too worked up about the differences. Okay. That'll get corrected eventually anyway. Do you, uh, I should look this up. So, I mean, do you have anything you're anticipating from the LHC, or are you just going to kind of like sit back? And... I'm I'm not anticipating. I, I like I said the the Higgs. It seems like hey, you know, we we guessed and it was there, but like I said, we we already discovered at least we thought we discovered three of them. So it wasn't. It would have been really really strange if it wasn't there. Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, the other know, stuff is very, very out of focus. I don't know. I've I've told you before right. that I'm getting a better understanding of, of of things like string theory. I understand where it comes from. I do now, and I understand why people think it's there because I think it's probably there too. I think that uh, as a uh, as a classical limit to quantum field theory, you probably can construct a string theory version of it. There's some transformation, but the problem is that this what we've discovered in terms of string theory uh, is several uh, several trillion 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 different universes compared to what we have, and we have no way of singling out. So yeah, once we once we figure out everything about how this universe works, you can translate it into a string theory. I'm absolutely certain of that. But discovering this sort of mathematical way of making a string theory. And then finding out information about our universe from that has been right. an absolutely worthless task so far. I expect that to continue. I mean, from what I've read and heard, you know, it's it's kind of like, just sit back, wait for the announcement. Yeah. They're going to run a bunch of experiments, collect a ton of data. They're going to analyze the data. And they're going to find surprises. And that's where the excitement's going to come from when they announce the surprises. Yeah, I mean, the the question is... Standard model is very effective, very accurate. We know it's wrong. We know it does. We know it's a model. We know it doesn't 
explain everything. It doesn't explain, for instance, why neutrinos have mass, but we know they do. There are things we expect to find. The question is, what kind of uh, beyond the standard model or BSM physics will we find? And, okay, and here's a question for you. I'm familiar with the term, the standard model, and how how well it represents our observations. What exactly is the standard model? What is in it? What is not? How much stuff is the standard model? I, from what I gather, it's a very long and complex set of descriptions of particles. It's not simple. It's not E equals MC squared. It, yeah. It's, it seems like it's probably volumes and volumes and volumes of things. No, you can condense the standard model into four general statements uh, that I don't have in front of me. So it's not as easy okay. as equals MC squared. Uh, but if you you can then expand that entire thing into this gigantic Lagrangian of, of phase space. The point what? being that... What? What did you just say? You, you, can, you can take the standard model and write it out as a gigantic book if you wanted to, defining every single interaction. Or you can generalize and make it a simple set of four statements about how the universe works. Those four statements don't quite get everything across. The big thing, which we would call uh, a Lagrangian, is just a way of looking at how it works. It's a different. It's a different way than say a quadratic formula, which is a way of looking at how something works. Uh, but we have a Hamiltonian way of looking at something in a Lagrangian. Lagrangian is basically the definition of everything that you could possibly do inside a certain um, range of possibilities. So we call that a phase space. Okay. Lagrangian for for it is if you write it out, it's very big and it's gross and it it has a lot of moving parts to it. You can turn it into small statements but they don't quite get the subtlety of it the subtlety of it you have to compute out everything to ridiculous degrees of accuracy and you use various tools like Feynman diagrams to do that and you find that the interactions are horrifically complex the more you go into it Hmm. it's a very complex model that nonetheless is extraordinarily accurate to degrees that uh, are unheard of in other sciences, and including things like general relativity. But the standard model is, again, a model. It is one of several standard models. Another standard model is the standard model of, co- of cosmology, which is the uh, LCDM Big Bang cosmology. It's, it's considered the standard mo- model of cosmological phenomena. There are standard models of... Um, of geog- of uh, of what am I thinking of? Uh, tectonics. Tectonics. Yeah. There's in your head, man. <laughs> in your head. You see me doing the motions. You get it right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> up and down. Up and down. Yeah. The, 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 you know the st- standard model of geological phenomena. He's using his hands model. to do like subversions. Yeah. Of <laughs> There, so there's a bunch of standard models. The, the standard model that we know of, that we hear standard model most is the standard model of particle physics, mm-hmm. uh, and that is I see. it's just shortened as a standard model. Gotcha. But anytime you see those, like you know, all the all the particles put out, and all the possible bosons and all the fermions on one side and bosons on the other side, that's a rough, but the standard model—the standard the, model is the standard model—is not just bookkeeping. The standard model is is how these interact right. with each other. But I mean, it's set. It sounds like it's set in stone, right? It sounds like it's no, not, no, no. It's not. It, it's it is our most accurate model for okay. how these things work. Right. It is not set in stone. It is the, the what, best. It is the best possible reference book we currently have that explains what we okay. see. Okay. All right, so I mean, because you hear statements like you know, they find something that may contradict the standard model. Right. Well, then the standard model is just going to be changed, right? It's not going yeah. to be thrown out. So, of course, I mean, Einstein found something that was different from the standard model of uh, of general physics that Newton came up with. 
now we don't consider Newtonian physics to be the standard model because it would be a special case of uh, sure. rel- of, of relativity. But you know, okay, so I never heard the term be uh, advanced to the next theory, right? I should, you know. Right now, I'm wishing I would have spent some time to read the Wikipedia article for the standard model to, to understand. Because you hear all this stuff recently, especially with the reboot of the LHC, you hear more and more about the standard model. And standard model predicts this, the standard model predicts that. And it sounds like it's this voluminous thing of like hundreds of, you know, every nuanced detail about hundreds of particles and how the whole universe works. And uh, here's an easy version of the Lagrangian oh, for standard okay. model. Yeah, I don't even know okay. what half those symbols are. There's a pitchfork, another pitchfork. There's well, a the marshmallow L for on a stick. Lagrangian, right? You got a marshmallow on a about stick. Frequency. You have uh, mu, and you have uh, uh, you have neutrinos there. You're talking about uh, wave function here. You're talking about C. You got your H. You're just making shit no, up. No, I'm not. You? No, I, I know what these mean. <laughs> you, you have C here. You have your Planck's constant there. It's a wave function. I'm not quite sure what that is. This is phi, so that's an angle. Um, this is uh, yeah. So I, I don't totally understand this Lagrangian, but I know what parts of it are. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is the full Lagrangian of the standard model. <laughs> So you can see that there's a difference between okay the the simplified what the version. Fuck is this? And this is I mean every time you see W H Z you see gamma you see something you know those are uh, those are bosons. Uh, every time you see you see like a partial derivative symbol. I mean that's it's it's not actually all that complicated. It looks like I mean it's a bunch of nonsense, but it's just it, it's just referencing various things. Like sure. if you see mu, mu is just frequency times two pi. It, it's just understanding the symbols, and then understanding what what they how those interactions are. But you sure. see that it's just somewhere in that is is how a uh, how a charged pion interacts with. Uh, a, a bound uh, electron, uh, a bound electron hole state in a BCS superconductor. It's somewhere in that is that information. You'd have to do a whole lot of calculations to figure out what it is, mm-hmm. but it's in there. Okay, it's it's just a lot of work. Okay, I'm not saying you're wrong. <laughs> it's a, uh, you know. And I, and I don't mean to sound like the... I don't know what I mean to say, but... I mean, you should see this diagram, or this formula that Greg has up. It is... It's ridiculous. 50 lines of mostly Greek characters. And, uh... It, it's actually mostly... Mostly Western characters. Okay. There are, there are Greeks, so there's... Like, okay. This symbol... Anytime you see that, uh... That thing with a line through it, that's a phi. That's an angle. That's all that's mm-hmm. talking about. Sure. Uh, anytime you see this, that's mu. So that thing is... Which one's mu? That's mu is right next to this part. Oh, of the, the U one, right, right. Which one's the kind of A-looking thing? The lowercase A-looking thing? Okay, that's the partial derivative. Okay. All right. Um, anytime you see the gamma, that's a photon. Anytime you see Z, that's the that's a Z boson. Sure. Anytime you see W, that's a W. But anytime you see H, that's the Higgs. Um, anytime you see small G, that's a gluon. These make sense if you just you know you get sort of where these are coming from. Sure. These X's, for instance, have to do with I believe they have to do with. Uh, bound quark states, but I'm not sure about that. I think, I think, I think that's color chart, but that's okay. I'm not quite sure about that. All right. Next topic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wanted to 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 go just briefly into the gay versus suck thing again, just briefly because I think that I because I, we keep com- coming back to this, and you keep making good points, and so I was like, okay, well. Is there something that that I can you know 
that I can bring home the bacon with. And so my only thing is that the difference between gay and suck is one is uh, just the way people are, and one is a behavior that isn't necessarily tied to the way people are. Okay. That's a good point. I was thinking about this a little bit this week, and what was the example? So, you know, like, I'm apparently pretty sensitive about this sucks thing, right? Because yeah. it infers gayness or at least some kind of sub. It's either gay or women, which traditionally are both less than They're both uh, men. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> yeah, they are both uh, persecuted minorities in our... Right, right. Situation. And then, you know, but there's times where I'll say things and you'll give me this look like, what the fuck did you just say? Like, so, so like, I'm sensitive about this gay sucks, uh, you know. Um, you gotta be more overly sensitive than you might. Well, I, I, I don't know. It's like, uh, what's an example? Uh, this isn't the perfect example because there's, when I say mouth rape, I understand that, that <laughs> you know, that's one of the times Greg gives me a look and uh, I understand that's where that comes from. But there's been things where I've... I can't think of a good example, but there's been things where Greg has given me almost the same look. Well, and the problem I've been with, like, the problem and with I've mouth been, rape uh, is, is rape has such a connotation to it. Right. Mouth pleasure, I would not look at you with... I mean, look at you with sort of like, ha ha, you made it funny. As opposed to, whoa, <laughs> that's, uh, that's a little bit, you know, beyond the beyond the pale that I would expect. But sure. I mean, the point of, you know, I don't, I don't use mouth rape anymore, no, right? No. But the point was that this is an aggressive, unpleasurable thing. Right. And yeah, sure, rape is unpleasurable, but it's many orders of magnitude less unpleasurable than... Um, Wait, what is? Rape is many orders of magnitude less... More unpleasurable than drinking a beer. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. I, I'm. I'm. I wanted to give you a chance to correct yourself on that one. What did you think I said? Well, you you, you had the wrong. You you were saying more pleasurable as opposed oh, to unpleasurable. Did I? So, yeah. Did I say that? Okay. You know, so there's something about using hyperbole in the whole thing. Absolutely. No, I, I, I agree. And hyperbole is its place. And it's it's just like, remember the, the principle of not punching down, mm-hmm. right? And, right? And rape is, uh, people are victims to rape. Uh, so you don't punch down to that. As, right. You don't, it, it's you don't compare something that's happening to you voluntarily that to that kind of a violation. Right. It's the thing is there's it's hard to think of a good shorthand for a very uncomfortable scenario. For, you know, rape is shorthand for a very uncomfortable scenario. I should say. <laughs> it is. No, you're right. You're right. right. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's why I would that's why yeah. I used it, right? Yeah. Cuz it was shorthand for a very uncomfortable scenario. Now, a step too far perhaps. Um I, I'm not saying I, I. I mean, totally. I think you're right. I, I understand where you're coming from, and I, and you, to 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 your credit, because not everybody would do this, said, "Yeah, you're right. I'm not going to use that." There's nothing wrong with making. There's a actually mistake. a beer called Mouth Raper. <laughs> it's That's on just, a label. Oh, so but there's nothing wrong with making a mistake and then recognizing that you made a mistake and then saying, "Look, sorry." Mm-hmm. Not going to do that again. But I mean, there's been other ones where I've said things, probably doing the same kind of hyperbole, and you give me this look like, "Dude, did you just say that?" And I can't think of the I can't think of the next best example besides mouth rape. But I know there's another one which is up there. So was and the gave or suck thing your your attempt to kind of hit this off the pass? I, I don't think it was. See, ever since we did the whole gay thing. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I am very supportive of gay rights. Because you're Compared, a good person. Well, because, well, not, okay, let me put it. It is so easy to be a hero. All you have to say is, I don't care with gay rights. That's the best way to be a hero. No, I but, mean, like. I'm taking this point from I mean, Dan Harmon, but sure. it's the easiest, the easiest way to be a hero is just say, Gay people getting married. I don't care. 
<laughs> whatever do what you want so it's it's like the least friction thing you can do to to be a good person yeah, is just I, not I, give a shit it's not about not giving a shit i think that they should not be dismissed and whatever they want to do is fine i feel very strongly that they should have equal rights in society and things like yeah. that and so to me, I mean that to, that, that means not me, giving a shit. I mean equal rights means I don't care what the hell you are, I'm gonna treat you the same. In but the, but I so some ways not giving I, a shit is kinda of hard. But I care that they're not being treated the well, same. Right, because you care that there are people who are not being the same for something you wouldn't give a shit about. For something okay. you, you would be like, Why does that matter? Why should I treat anybody differently based on this? Right. It's it's absolutely absurd. So that's why you were like yeah, you're like most people, I think, when they say gay rights, yes, I, absolutely. This, If right. there are people being oppressed for this, then they should be a protected class because it makes no sense for them to be oppressed for this. Right. I wish I could think of the next best example because I know there's one out there that I you give me that look for. And it didn't seem inflammatory, controversial. It just seemed... It's not too important. I mean, but I so there's, so there's other things that, for some reason, this whole you know gay rights thing. I I see, and, and maybe I'm, and I'm even like so. Okay, so we. I don't say, Greg, stop being such a fag. You know, I don't. I don't say that anymore. Other than when I'm you know <laughs> yeah, using it right, in yes, this, sure. this context. <laughs> you should see Greg's reaction when I actually throw it out. Greg, you fucking nigger. I mean, <laughs> you should see his face right now. It's hilarious. Um, and maybe this is part of the whole thing where, like, Greg's like, I can't believe Jeff is being so insensitive. It's not that I can't believe being so insensitive. It's, it's, you know, people are offended by these things. There's no need to trot them out unless there's a point in doing so. My point in and doing I feel so like is... you're, I feel like you're doing so to be shocking as opposed to expose that point. I feel like it's less clinical and more jokey. And so it's like, I would only pull these words out. Or I, I would hope I would only pull these words out in a very clinical sense. Okay, so now we're getting down to it because I think this is probably the thing I'm trying yeah. to talk about and not being able to describe is we're, I'm not using the words I'm not using them with any sharp edge. And, right? No, but... Am I using them to get a chuckle? I, be, honest I, with I, be honest with yourself. No, I think I'm using them. I think both of those examples I used to illustrate the conversation better. You expected me to get a rise, and you did. Well, that was part of it, but the other. T- oh, but I think I think we're distilling down what I was trying to talk about before. I'm not trying to change the subject. We can come back to yeah, this. But I'm saying but, that you you use those words because you knew you they would get a rise and look at me. And the reason why you knew is because well, actually, they are, I wasn't expecting quite the nick. The, well, the second one, I I kind of put why more are you fuel using that word? You're not using it clinically. You're using it to shock. I did because well because of the reaction I got for yeah the, I hate using this, yeah. the end saying n word too but that doesn't mean I love saying the the word itself I only want to use it when it's absolutely sure. necessary so okay so I called you a fag first this is clinical this part right and I got a reaction and I wasn't using that so much for the shock or the humor of it I was using it to illustrate the point of conversation yes and you gave me a reaction like i can't believe you just said that so second one i and i think the main intention was to to try to amplify to amplify the point not to do it for the comedy or the shock or whatnot but to amplify the point I think that's where I'm coming from. No, I think I think it's where you're coming from too. And I, like I said, I'm not saying that you're racist for doing what you did or anything of that nature. I think it's it. I think the reason why I feel as insensitive is because people don't want to hear that word, even in a clinical sense. Now, when you're doing it clinically, you have to say the word, but you you can allude to it without being specific when it is such a 
off-putting word to people. I'm not saying be babyish around it. I'm just saying when it's when it's unclear, you can use it. When it's very clinical definition, sure. you can use it. But if you're just using it for the for the point of emphasis, that's wrong. In any in 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 all cases, that using it as an emphasizing word is the wrong way to use it. Okay, so hmm. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to draw the parallel. I was going to say, isn't suck an emphasis? Well, I was going to say, and bring it back to suck here, you know, but it doesn't. It doesn't hold up. But right. here's what I was going to say. I was going to say. So why am I okay with calling you a fag or a nigger for the this this? part of the conversation uh-huh. and then earlier thinking that sucks should be something I shouldn't say. And you can see why that doesn't hold up because yeah. fag was the initial thing that we stopped saying. But if you step just a half step away from that, you know, there, I think there's something there though, you know, where, uh, well, I mean, I, I think it's an absolute, it's absolutely right that you're, you're hitting on why these things, I mean, we're, we're hitting on the, the boundary of why these things are offensive and, we're getting to the nitty gritty and that's there's I think there's there's nothing better than sort of analyzing language in that sense if we're going to be talking in these terms I don't know that I'd, I know for sure that we're not capable of coming to an answer about it mm-hmm. uh, we're, we're just you know we're, we're two drunk guys in the basement but there's there's a value to this conversation but I don't want it to get to the point where we're just slinging these things back and forth without without cause or concern for uh, the not not just how listeners would pick it, but how we are are using those terms, mm-hmm. and that we should be careful ourselves that we don't saturate ourselves with that kind of language because that's just a bad thing all around. For dealing with people, there's a so I, you know I've been watching the Goldbergs. I don't you haven't watched him yet, but one of the main characters he uh, it's you know like when he's like when he wants to say oh that sucks he goes balls you know uh-huh. and again it's like what is the what is the edge to saying oh balls. It's something about you know it's it's very cl- tightly related to sucks I think you know maybe there's just something about the genitalia that you know has we this... definitely have a, a cultural fear of sexual organs <laughs> right I mean would balls be any different than saying vulva or mons venus <laughs> or clitoris right I mean it has a better it rolls off the tongue a little bit better maybe but but the same sort of concept you, know, you wouldn't expect somebody to say uh, um, uh, what's the what are the lips called again labia labia my, my labia you know you, so you know it's funny because I actually found myself saying balls today right before you came up I got an email I saw I checked my email for work and I hadn't checked in about five hours and the temperature in the server room at work was up high. It was about 98 degrees, which is, it, it starts alerting at 98. It was like a 98.4. I see the email. I'm like, oh, balls. And I don't know if I got that from the Goldbergs or something. I kind of have a feeling that I've said it before when I've seen emails. Like, But I think if you were more exposed to it and you're more likely to say it, which yeah. is a good reason you don't expose yourself to that thing more often. Just don't expose yourself don't, to the balls. Don't put yourself in a situation where you're likely to uh, to be immersed in something so much that you won't recognize it when it's there. Balls are fine. Balls. Balls are fine. We're not... Maybe 30 years from now, people will think gay is horrible and saying balls is horrible. We're not in that area now. We can people judge us in the future based on our propensity to say that something sucks? Yeah, I'm giving you that permission. Go ahead, judge me based on that. I am not as evolved or whatever as you are. Absolutely not. I don't live in the same culture you do. 
watch 12 Years a Slave, right? I mean, you just see how they treat the yeah. slave. It's like, it's stunning. Mm-hmm. You, you, we see a human being. Yeah. They see property. And it's it's a really stunning. If you haven't watched 12 Years a Slave, you should watch it. I mean, I'm talking to Greg. I'm talking I, have to not, I have not seen it, but I will. It's, it's on my list. I have a big list. I did see Interstellar. I will talk about that next time. Let's, okay. I think we're. I haven't uh, seen it yet, but uh, maybe I'll check it out so we can talk about it together next week. Yeah, it's uh, that's George Clooney one, right? No, no, McConaughey. McConaughey. Christopher Nolan, McConaughey. Oh, that's the one with the gravity, Hathaway. right? The the, the, the gra- high gravity planet. Yes, the okay. the black hole and the wormhole. Gravity's uh, one with gravity's one with George Clooney. Yes. Clooney, okay. I've not seen either of them, but I'll check out it. I'll watch Interstellar so we can talk about it. You should watch both of them. Gravity is kind of a of a, of a silly movie, um, but it's it's fun. Interstellar is a ponderous movie that is silly. Okay, it's not fun, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just dumb. And the story is very Nolanish in that it goes to about three quarters of the way, and then it just goes, "Oh, let me go into this fucking area over here." And you're like, what? <laughs> Surprised you, man? Yeah. Whoa! I'm gonna blow up your story structure. <laughs> oh man! I guess uh, True Detective starting up soon. Yes, no. Uh Maybe? yeah yeah um was who's in it um what's his name and, guy and the who's other him and uh, her are in it it's gonna be like it's gonna be the uh, CSA cyber Colin it's Colin what's his name um the guy was in phone booth for um uh, yeah I know who you're talking about yeah Colin. Season two. Colin Farrell. Right. Vince Vaughn? Yes. Huh. Hey, you didn't think McConaughey had it in him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, McConaughey's done some serious... I mean, did the Dallas Buyers Club... I mean, I guess at the same time. Huh? Yeah, it's around the same time. You you did, you wouldn't... Yeah, I guess, think- I guess I you know, I yeah. probably have a whole new image of McConaughey because of that and Dallas Buyers Club. I can't think of other movies that he's been pretty serious in. All right, all right, all right. All right. I mean, that, that's the McConaughey. We were yeah. like, man, he did a fucking great job in True Detective. Mm-hmm. Let's see if Vince Vaughn can do the same thing. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Exactly. Has it, it, has it already become to the point where now, even though it's only been one season, True Detective is now like a, a an actor renovation project? <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, I think that's enough for for tonight. Yeah, the temperature in the server room has dropped down to ninety seven point nine three degrees. So that means no more alerts. Yay! Wonder why it got so high this weekend. I'll figure that out on Monday. It's getting hotter. Yeah, and people, and it's hard to adjust for that. You might have added extra capacity over the cold winter, and yeah. Also, when we're shipping a lot of gear, we have more heat in that room, so. Because it's also where we manu- test our manufactured goods. All right. So, yeah, thanks, Greg, for uh, this good post show conversation. We didn't do Amazon Amish. You want to do that real quick or no? We'll do that next time. All right. Sounds good to me. Catch you guys later. Hope you enjoyed the uh, the nonsense. Catch you on the flippity flop. <laughs>